Welcome to the For Fox Sake podcast, by the fans, for the fans. With all the news, views and discussion from two lifelong Leicester City supporters. It's your show, so get in contact, make yourselves heard, what's your opinion? The only Leicester City podcast that's by the fans, for the fans. This is For Fox Sake. Hello and welcome to For Fox Sake. My name is Pete Selby and via the magic word of uh, word, world of technology, Rob Hayes should be on the other end of this podcast imaginary line. Yeah, kind of imaginary line because we're recording into two microphones whilst having the phones plugged in our ears. We've we've come a long way since the days where I used to hold my phone speaker up to the microphone if I was off somewhere else and we had a very tinny Pete Selby. Well, yeah, some people say uh, you know a tinny Pete Selby is actually a bit better than the uh, the in stereo and uh, fantastically sounding uh, Pete Selby. What, Maybe because you can hear less of his rubbish? That's pretty much, yeah, spouting not complete nonsense as per usual. But uh, anyway, back to... Uh, matters in hand so welcome welcome everyone to the podcast uh, we've not done one for a while uh since the Fleetwood game actually just before we were standing in the car park weren't we and uh, uh pontificating about what was going to happen that night and against Liverpool at the and the forthcoming home match uh, a lot's happened since the game against Liverpool obviously we've had England playing the King Power lots of stuff off the field as well and then we've got the game against Bournemouth this coming weekend so plenty to cover um I think really we should start, um, I won't go into a lot of detail, but uh, with the Liverpool game, because it happened a while ago now. Um, and it, I think it's just disappointing really regarding the results, but a good performance. Now I wasn't there, I was working, but I managed to um, I managed to see the majority of the game on an iPad. Um, and every time I, I, I saw plenty of the second half, the first half um, I only saw brief kind of glimpses and uh from those brief glimpses that I saw I don't think Leicester touched the ball really in the first half but the second half I thought were were excellent I thought we played very well and uh, really impressed yet never really threatening to get say three points I think possibly a point would have been you know a, a deserved result because of the way we played in the second half and we lacked the cutting edge which we knew we were with the absence, obviously, of Vardy. Yeah, I think we were lacking a focal point for the attack. It was interesting to see Iheanacho and Okazaki both on the bench and Gray start in a in a central role. He fulfilled that role a little bit during during pre-season, but that was, uh, we thought, mainly because there was a, a lack of striking options with uh, Okazaki, Iheanacho and Vardy away at the World Cup and Slomani sort of in and out and not really knowing whether he's going to be part of the first team uh, picture. But Clubwell seems to like Gray in a central role. But the problem was, uh, and not really through any fault of Gray's uh, uh, in, in that sense, we played some fantastic football. We, at times, made ourselves look like more of the footballing team than Liverpool. You'd expect in a game against Liverpool, especially under Jurgen Klopp, especially with the front three that they've got, for them to be playing the the more silky, more stylish football. We were knocking the ball around so, so well and getting in good areas until we got, not even the final third, sort of the final quarter, it was that high up. But Gray in a central role, just 
He hasn't got that instinct. He's played wide throughout his entire sort of youth career or as the number 10, but he's never played on the shoulder. He was There were a few balls in that, that Vardy would have gambled on, that Iheanacho would have sniffed out, that even Okazaki would have been in and around. Uh, runs that they were expecting him to make that he didn't make, but you can't blame him for that because he was being played out of position for, uh, in terms of a position that he's not got much experience in. Um, would the result have been different with Vardy up front? Possibly, possibly not. You can't say, but on the whole... An, an impressive performance. The only thing frustrating was the fact that we didn't get a point from it, but that tells you how good it was. The fact that you come away from a game against Liverpool thinking we should have had something there. Yeah, that's right. It's uh, it, it was disappointing. Interesting with Gray playing in front of Iniacho Penny for his thoughts, as you said, and uh, it, it is strange because I've always had my doubts regarding Gray, um, and we'll we'll find out in in the future what you know. What he he'll become? Obviously, he was called up to the England squad. Um, now, obviously, many many people thinking that was just because it was in Leicester, maybe to try and shift a, a few more thousand tickets. But to, for him to start such a big game up front, a, a bold decision. Not too sure whether it it, it worked, as you said. But uh, yeah, I wonder what uh, one Iniacho thought about that sit on the bench. But uh, it was a Liverpool side who we've said before, we both went on podcasts in the week of the game on various Liverpool podcasts saying it's going to be a very difficult game for Leicester and Liverpool are one of the top two who are going to go for the league, basically. You know, it's between themselves and uh, and, and Man City. We know that pretty much already. So losing to them at home is not disgraceful. It was just, again, slightly annoying in that second half. When they played very well in that second half, they really just missed Vardy. And um, and thank God he's back this coming weekend against uh, against Bournemouth, and without him it just shows you that the lack of striking options that we've got. And if Claude's not not saying going to trust Iniacho, but not going to play Iniacho when Vardy's missing, what what future does Iniacho have at Leicester? What what chance is he going to have? Because this was a, a golden opportunity for him, and he wasn't played. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I don't, I don't know, and we'll never know the reason why Gray was started ahead of Iheanacho. There's a possibility it could have been because Iheanacho might not have been fully fit. He came off uh, quite early on in the second half against leg, Fleetwood. Yeah, yeah, he was stretched for something at the back post late on in the oh, first half Ernest against. Thing. Yeah, stretched late on in the first half against against Fleetwood and sort of didn't really run about that much after that and then as soon as he got his goal in the second half they were like right off you come uh, obviously maybe with that slight strain in mind maybe with the fact that he was going to be possibly needed to be one of the players to lead the line against Liverpool on on the weekend knowing that that Vardy was still uh, unavailable but yeah you've got to you've got to be thinking if if you're Ian Acho and and there wasn't an injury issue there what have I got to do to get the gaffer's trust? Against Fleetwood, some would argue that he should have finished more of his chances. Some would argue that he was a little bit unlucky. He hit, I think he hit the post twice uh, and was in and around the right kind of areas and then he and then he got his goal. Um, but he is a natural goal scorer. I don't think there's any doubt about that. He hit the target, or well, I know hitting the post technically doesn't count to the stats as a shot on target, but he in and around the box, sniffs out all those opportunities. And even if he'd have just made one run that Gray didn't, that could have led to a goal-scoring opportunity against Liverpool, 
you'd have backed him to score it. He looks like the kind of player that that loves the boost of playing in a big game. Um, but obviously we'll never know the reason why he wasn't selected and hopefully it doesn't dent his confidence because we've seen it already in his brief glimpses in a Leicester shirt. He's a confidence player. There was, there was one or two interesting decisions as well. I know one, for example, the uh, the Armati substitution. Um, it, it, it was a, It's a classic, an absolute classic substitution where you have a lot of supporters shouting, not like you don't know what you're doing, but questioning the decision because you're taking off Madison and you're bringing on um, Armati. And what's that for? Not realising, obviously, it's going to be a complete change. You're not going to bring on Armati and play him up top, just behind the front man, say. It's going to be a change of system. And, um, and those substitutions always make me laugh because... You can hear in the crowd, half the crowd questioning, what's he done that for? And the other half literally afterwards saying, well, it's, it's obviously going to be a change of formation and looking out onto the field to see what that change of formation actually was. Um, Mad- Madison's interesting because we know he's a he's a good player and uh, a lot of people were questioning why they would call up to the England squad Gray instead of Madison. But uh, he, he's shown he's got a lot of skill, but uh, he, he still looks short of match fitness in you know for the full 90 minutes and and he's still very loose in possession i know he's young but he needs to to work on the easy pass sometimes um keeping the ball is not necessarily the worst thing for him to do there is an easy layoff sometimes i, I think he tries almost too hard at the moment and uh, and but that that substitution did raise plenty of eyebrows and uh, and I know it's one that uh, that you were quite annoyed by with people's reactions. Yeah, the reaction bothered me, and I don't. This this podcast is by no means me and you sitting here saying we know more about football than than the people listening at home. That's not what we're about. We're about talking about the things that aren't we? That, no, of <laughs> course we're not. We're about talking about the things that that everybody listening. And everybody that's been to the games or listened on the radio or whatever is talking about as well. Just because um, I, I'm, I'm myself in a former life and you in your current life have, have managed to sort of weasel our way into sports broadcasting roles doesn't mean for a second that we know more about it or that we profess to know more about it. But just look, if you're the kind of person that, that missed the game and only read BBC Sport and saw on X minutes, Madison was substituted off for Amati and you've become a keyboard warrior because of that. Just have a little look at yourself because, look, Amati, at that point, Madison was playing wide left of the sort of supporting three behind uh, behind the striker, right? Chilwell got one in the gonads and Madison sing- signalled... Oh, he did, didn't he? Big time. Yeah. Madison signalled over to the bench during this period... The, you know, the sort of roll your fingers over each other that signals a substitution. And for a split second, we thought um, in the commentary box that he was saying, chill, well, I'd need to come off. I thought, that's a, that's a bit precious. You've been at the balls, just have a bit of a breather, take a sip of water, deep breaths. The nausea will go away. You'll probably still have children, right? But then it became apparent that he was making the gesture for himself because he, he was blowing um, and he was he was struggling, like you say, maybe for a bit of match fitness, maybe just with the pace of the Premier League, right? Ricardo Pereira started two, maybe three of the four Premier League games on the right wing. He is as much a right winger as he is a right back. So Amati coming on and Pereira going up to the right wing is no different whatsoever. It's not bringing Daniel Amati on to play left wing, is it? It's bringing Daniel Amati on to play at right back, 
Pereira goes up to right wing where he is equally naturally able. We keep talking about how good he is versatility in terms of versatility. He is 100% a right back and 100% a right winger. He got a couple of assists in his first couple of games. What more proof do you need? Pereira moves up to the right wing. Can't remember who it was operating down the right at that time, but they went over to the left, probably Albright, and knowing him, he's always there or thereabouts. But it wasn't a defensive substitution. It was a change because Madison wanted slash needed to come off. Pereira is happy on the wing. Everybody just needs to stop trying to find reasons to question Claude Puel. Hashtag Rob Rant. I don't do it very often, but you queued me up <laughs> and I went in. It's great. It's absolutely brilliant. That's not exactly what I would have said, but uh, but you did it for me, so that's uh, that's excellent. So Liverpool, we'll put a line through that and we'll move on. And we'll talk England. Were you there? I was, yeah. What, was you? Yeah, I went, I went as a fan. I went as a fan as well. It was the first time I've been to the King Power as a fan for ages. ages. It must be five years, obviously, with working there. It's um, it, And it was... It was in. It was. It was an enjoyable evening in terms of England playing at the King Power, the exposure of the club, uh, and all that sort of thing. And obviously, Chilwell coming on. The game itself was absolute dire. It was awful, wasn't it? I mean, I, I generally saw about fifty odd minutes of it because just in the concourse having a beer, basically. And it it was it was an absolute shocker. Classic international friendly, wasn't it? I I think you summed it up perfectly. The the occasion to be at the King Power watching England, great three current Leicester players in the England squad in uh, for that match, fantastic. I went with a, a massive group of people, so we all just sort of socialised before the game. By the way, bit of an aside, uh, I went to uh, one of the local ale houses before the game, um, and. For the first an time ale. ever, who calls it an alehouse? You went to the pub. Yeah, I went. I went to the pub. Yeah, um, and this uh, this might be might be me behind the times. You spend a lot more time in pubs than me, right? Had a pint where I, I, the I've pint where the pint filled up from the bottom. Yeah, I've I've seen that only once in Vegas, um, and uh, in a, in a in a a what do you call it a White Castle, the um, the the burger place, and. Uh, and they did it in there. Did it? Where, where were you? Which where, it is mental. About? The Counting House um, near Morrison's oh, on Freeman's Common. They have the magnet on. They have the magnet on the bottom, don't they? Well, it's got a, a one-way valve on the bottom. They just pop this plastic pint glass on this little black circle, and the beer appears from the bottom up. It's extraordinary. Yeah, it's extraordinary. Uh, anyway, which, which where I was sitting, I was uh, in the cart behind the goal. Oh, so was I. <laughs> I love, I, was... I love how we talk so often, Pete, that we never knew that we were in the same stand. <laughs> I was, um, I was in the, I was towards the back, standing up, um, in the kind of southeast corner. Oh, okay, yeah. No, I was sort of more central than that. Yeah, right. It was, um, <clears throat> it it was an awful game, but uh, we'll, we'll we'll pass on that the, the actual match itself, but um. There's two things really that came from the match. One is obviously Chilwell coming on and looking quite calm, and he didn't really do anything, but he didn't have to do anything, and a few little nice passes. But um, really good that he came on, and it's not often we've had Vardy, we've had Maguire, but for someone who's come through from the youth team, the last one prior to those was obviously Heskey, and then you go back to Lineker and the likes of Shilton, etc. 
Um, so it is a big deal you know, him playing, and we'll see how how he progresses because he, I think he's played very well this season. He looks a, a completely different player. We know some of the issues, maybe positioning wise, and also end product need to be worked on. But um, there we go. He's he's got an England cap, which was great. And secondly, um, the new big screen uh, we saw at the North Stand, um, the new. Sp- you know, framework for this big screen, and it's absolutely massive. And um, I read something on the Mercury about the the the, the company, the Leicester company, who are doing it because they have to put it up with not being on the pitch. They can't, you know, roll roll the uh, the cherry picker or the whatever they're using to do it uh, onto the pitch itself. So it's slightly awkward. But that's a huge screen. There's going to be another one at the uh, cop end of the ground. But the first thing that crossed my mind after when seeing how big it's going to be is what that will have an effect on the stadium expansion because from from my completely non-expert point of view you can't increase the capacity of those stands with that with the new screens there's no way they'll be able to do that no and what would be the point in putting them in semi-permanently i'm surprised they weren't in in time for the england game you know if this has been planned all along get them up in the summer well, it's true, but I, I don't know how... I mean, it's going to take a long time for it to do, apparently. It's going to take about eight weeks for each screen um, to actually go up. So it's going to take quite a while. But for, for me, I don't see how you can add more rows onto that stand or add another tier to the ends behind the goals, essentially, with this new screen. Again, it might happen. Maybe the whole roof does go up together, including the screen. That might... That could easily happen, but for me, it looks like if they are going to expand the ground, it means that it will be the East End alone that has an extra tier on, um, which is possibly the way they were going to go anyway. But uh, that certainly looks now to be the most, I won't say favoured option, but the most likely thing to happen with the King Power. But we'll wait and see what uh, designs, if and when they appear, um, actually look like. But uh, no, the new big screens, good really, because yes, when they put them new one, the ones that are in currently, it it was really nice, but now they are looking slightly small and outdated. And uh, and yeah, it's just moving with the times, and it means we can get to see the, the promo before the games in proper big screen HD uh, and seeing them lift the trophy and all that. Cause it's still quite good, I like that. I was happy that at the start of the season, they still did that before... The, you know, before the match starts, how many years they'll do it for? Maybe this will be the last year that they show, you know, all the goals go in and you have the music, etc., and the fox on the pitch and all that. But uh, we'll wait and see. Anyway, so that was England. Um, away from things on the pitch or things being built above the pitch, um, Harry Maguire has signed a new contract at Leicester. It was always going to happen um, after he declared that he's staying and he wasn't going to move and all that sort of business. But it now means that he's on a long-term deal, Schmeichel's on a long-term deal, Vardy's on a long-term deal, indeed he's, I think, signed up till the next two decades. All of our main players, if you went through the spine of the side, they've all signed long-term contracts. And before we, we talk about Maguire, uh, well, in fact, what, what was your response when, when, you, when you heard the news? For me, it was like, great, tick that one off, let's move forward. Yeah, give the man a pay rise. If if I mean, who who knows the the details, the intricacies behind who decided he wasn't moving? 
uh, he, he, it's all well and good him coming out after the transfer window has ended saying, yeah, he's more than happy to stay at Leicester. He he feels like he still owes Leicester something, which is kind of a good reason to stay at the club, but it's sometimes kind of not as well. But this contract, look, what the contracts actually mean in football these days, they basically give footballers a wage rise and clubs more power to demand more cash for the player if they're on a more long-term deal from a club should they come in. Does the contract mean that Harry Maguire stay until 2023? Does it bobbins? But on the whole, positive news. He's committed his future to Leicester. He, he with his words as well, um, Leicester are actively seeking to preserve the spine of the squad, as you said. Um, yeah, all good news for me. Very good news. I, I agree. What his release clause will be, you know, it's probably going to be eighty million at least, or something along them lines. And I'd imagine there's a clause in there as well that if a side that's qualified for the Champions League comes in, then he can actually talk to them. He'll have a wage rise. That that sort of thing. Because it has taken. You might think it. It might have been signed earlier, and so maybe a bit of negotiation between you know his agent and the club regarding that. But um. Another interesting thing I heard was, uh, did you hear the the interview with uh, Peter Schmeichel? I haven't seen this, no. No, he was interviewed uh, because he's part of the voting panel for Goalkeeper of the Year. And the three include, obviously, Casper. So the BBC interviewed him. But at the same time, they were talking about uh, Casper and asking questions about whether, you know, they'll put clubs in for him in the summer and all this sort of thing. And it was very interesting for what he said. Um, and he, he basically said that Casper obviously loves it at Leicester, um, but also he's a first-team goalkeeper, and if he was going to move anywhere, it would be for a first-team spot. And he says to go somewhere better than he is now, it would have to be one of the top eight teams in Europe, essentially. And he says all their goalkeeping positions are all filled, so there's no way he would move as a number two, and he wouldn't go to anywhere less than a top club. And he says there obviously was you know, rumours about certain teams in the summer. But uh, I thought that was a, a very interesting and telling statement that it, it, we know that Casper's happy at the club. It, you can see on the field as well. And it just, it spoke volumes. And he, and he also says how, how well he's been looked after by the owner, uh, the owners of the club as well, in terms of obviously his pay packet and I'd imagine a big clean sheet and loyalty bonus, etc., etc. He's obviously one of the highest paid players at the club. So it was very good. When I was listening to the interview, I was, I was thinking, hang on, what's he going to say here? And maybe was he disappointed he didn't get a move or it was turned down the chance to, to, to talk to someone? But no, it was just very, very positive, which is which is great to hear. Yeah, well, Casper's forged the best part of his career at this club. And whilst he's still got a good five or six years in him, at least at the top level, um. Leicester have given him a lot and he's given Leicester a lot. Uh, there were there were some players that were involved in our title winning season that that didn't have the same affinity with the club that Casper does having started much lower down and and, and really it well he he got his first Denmark caps because of his performances for Leicester because he was Leicester's number 1. He puts on the captain's armband when Wes Morgan isn't there. He is a, he is he's pretty much synonymous with Leicester's recent history, so it's it's a great relationship he's got with the club 
he's got with the fans, he's got with his players, and they say with the owner as well. And look, we're we we're predicting Leicester to finish somewhere like seventh ish in the Premier League this season, seventh or eighth, something like that. And as you say, every club in the Premier League, especially the top ones that have got money to to throw at, two goalkeeping um um sign transfer fees were broken this summer in the Premier League. That's how good the quality of goalkeeping is in the Premier League at the moment. And there aren't many. Uh, the Premier League is the best league in the world. So if Leicester are finishing seventh or eighth in that, he's only going to need want to go to a club really that's in the top two or three in countries like Italy or Spain. They've got the same situation as as English clubs in terms of the money they can spend on goalkeeping. It's a very specialised position. You only have to have one good bloke there and you can be sat on the sidelines for years. I think that's testament to his character, both as a person, uh, but also as a professional. He wants to play football. Some goalkeepers are happy to sit on the bench and pick up the pay packet. You can look at some some number two goalkeepers that have been well-travelled, that have barely made 100 appearances across a 15-year career. Casper doesn't want to be that bloke. He wants to be playing week in, week out, leading the team, whether he's got the armband on or not. Um, and the longer we can keep hold of him, the better. I don't see any reason why he can't be Leicester's number one for another five years easily. Yeah, same. And I think 99% of the fans obviously want him in gold. It was interesting they bought this Ward guy and we'll see what happens with him. He's obviously been playing in the cup and that. So, But yeah, I, th- I thought it was really good news and it sounded positive from, from what his his dad said, talking about people who were going to be sitting on um, and, and picking up money for not playing. Uh, Andy King didn't make it into the Premier League squad. You have to pick, what, 25 players? Um after a certain time, you have to pick 25 players who will be your Premier League squad that, that you can then choose from uh, until the next uh, transfer window, and he's not there. I feel sorry so for King, Andy King. Yeah, it's, it's a shame because... Uh, it's, it's, it's a shame, but it's not, in a way, because he's done everything at Leicester. We know what he's done and won, and we know how long he's been there, and we know what a good player he is. But at the moment, especially now with the return of Mendy and playing so well. Um, I thought he was exceptional against Liverpool as well. Um, I think he's obviously way down the pecking order. And the problem is he's got 50 grand a week coming in probably at Leicester. I think that's the rough um, estimate of what he's earning through basically picking up the uh, the bonuses, etc. for winning leagues and, and all sorts. And what do you do at his time of his career? I mean, I, I wouldn't blame him for almost taking a year out in terms of, you know, training at Leicester, staying at Leicester, seeing what happens. You never know. You could break through and then maybe reassessing your options after a year, earning the money and then going on to somewhere new, possibly. That could easily be his his idea. That You know, there's no rush, really. He's not going to go down in appreciation. He, he shouldn't, anyway. He's still being selected for, for Wales, um, even though he's not in the Premier League squad. How, how strange is that for saying that they've got a, a decent side? So it, it is a shame, but I think the way that the club has moved on in terms of personnel and style as well, I think Claude put it very well as in the week when he was asked about it. He says, what a great guy Andy King is. He says he understood the reasons he understood that he obviously he's not in the in the squad and he took it very well and he's you can he's never going to cause any problems that way um so maybe i mean you you never know he could easily turn around maybe after a year or two and say that's it i don't really want to go down to the championship i might call it a day early and 
he possibly if, if he wants to move into coaching you never know he could become a coach early on and and go on the backroom staff that could easily be an option it could yeah he's he's got a lot of options going for him i, I you know you know when 25 sounds like quite a lot of players doesn't it it sounds like quite a big squad and when i thought right you've got 25 players to pick from how surely there's somewhere we can sneak Andy King into that 25 but I looked through the 25 and there was nobody that you could really would have wanted to take out to replace him with and that is testament to the 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 strength of the squad the the quality that we've got as you said particularly in central midfield that Andy King who I'd say probably five or six clubs in the Premier League at least would would utilize him. Oh yeah, in, in most and, games and, of their season, either, championship. Yeah, oh, absolutely towards the top of the championship. I'm I'm not sure he's the kind of player that's ready to sit on his backside yet. I think he realized when he had the loan move to Swansea back end of last season that his time at Leicester was coming to an end. I think he could sense that, uh, and I'm sure Claude Claude Powell has been honest with him from the get go about about that. You get players like Ibora, Silva come in, you get Mendy come back, you get the emergence of Ndidi who who's certainly been better, quicker than we with than we thought he would. And James James was ahead of him in pecking order as well, even with um with Claude. He he fancied James. Yeah, exactly. So I think he knew and and, and we said when he posted on, on social media when he went to Swansea that it was more of a I'm popping away on loan here. It was a sort of end of an era message without quite using that turn of phrase. So I would imagine that the intention was from Andy King's side and Leicester's side this summer for him to move on. I think there must have been deals in the background that fell through. So I think those deals will be being talked about now. And whether he leaves on loan or permanently, I I think I I don't think he'll be. Uh, I don't think he won't play football somewhere this season. I don't think he's got a realistic chance of getting in the Leicester squad, even though uh, news came out today that uh, Matty James has had another little bit of surgery to try and fix that dodgy Achilles of his. He's out for a, a, a lot longer. But I think, especially with Hamza Chowdhury there as well, um, still at the squad and not uh, still in the squad and not gone away, uh, on loan anywhere. I just don't think there's any way that Andy King will play football for Leicester bar uh, a massive miracle. Uh, and I don't think he's uh, uh, like you say he's got he's got options and he's got time to think and and the player he'll be training every day. I don't think for one second that he'll be frozen out of the first team picture in terms of training. Um but I think he he will move on either low Premier League or more likely high championship um when the next loan or transfer window opens. Yeah, I agree, and I think possibly that one of the deals that w- was done um, de- probably depended on Swansea actually staying in the Premier League. Obviously, they didn't, so that's possibly why he hasn't gone to Swansea permanently because because they went down and and they had to you know balance the books. But uh, yeah, I agree. I I think we've probably seen the last of Andy King in a Leicester shirt, and truth be told, I think Matty James has probably played his last game for Leicester as well. Again, I think the cl- the club and the squad have just moved on. Um, again with Mendy Quinn back and the players that you mentioned uh, also one player who hasn't yet played for us but has played international football uh, so same as uh, Andy King is our new Turkish centre-half uh, the Turkish guy as I like to call him uh, <laughs> we've so, still not said his name have we? no the Turkish guy um, and he's now fully fit and he can play and it would be very interesting to see 
whether he comes into the side when we play Bournemouth on Saturday or whether he's on the bench, but he's been playing for Turkey um, and he's now fully fit and, and ready to go or, or, or very near to be fully fit, I'd imagine. Um, so it would be very interesting to see uh, if he's in the side. Um, one other thing before we um, go on to the game against Bournemouth at the end of the podcast is uh, is something that's happened tonight. Um, have you by any chance been on social media in terms of Twitter? This evening? Yes. I haven't, no. Now, there's a few people that we know. Um, our sister podcast uh, at Arch Sports is, uh, obviously deals with Nottingham Forest. And um, I would say sister podcast. It's basically people we know do a podcast for Forest, so it's got absolutely nothing to do with us anyway. But uh, I've been on it once, when we're in Canada because he didn't have anyone else to do the podcast with and I was just so sarcastic for about an hour and if this happened I would have been on for about five hours because what they've done is basically they've gone back 40 years and they're doing kind of like as if the game was happening now so they're saying oh it's a, a full house in, in a European game against Liverpool and they've released the team sheets at the at the right time and they're doing kind of minute by minute tweet and it's just the most embarrassing thing you've ever seen in your life and I've just I've just witnessed a lot of my friends who are Forest fans have a complete meltdown going this is just one of the most embarrassing things I've ever heard because obviously everyone says that they live in the past and the official Twitter handle of Nottingham Forest is living up to that massively as well but um, also I, I, when we're at the England game uh, a friend of mine Sports Forest was there and uh, and he mentioned uh, because the game, when it was broadcast, obviously we were at the game, the England game. The first what twenty five seconds was broadcast in black and white, um, because it's twenty five years of um, the kick it out racism campaign. Um, so the first twenty five seconds or so was broadcast in black and white, and he was saying this quite loudly, and. <laughs> when it it was really quiet at the time, and I just shouted to him, I was like. You should, you're a Forest fan. You used to, you know, all your football you see is in black and white. And so many people turn around, and half of them either swore at me because they were a, a Forest fan. Half of them either like cheered or like put the thumbs up because they were a City fan and that. And uh, it, it was. It, he just looked at me. He's like, I can't believe I've come to the football with you at your ground, bloody hell. But uh, and and another thing as well, all the songs that were sung at the England game. It got to about the seventieth, seventy fifth minute, and then it was like, right, we've we've had it now with England, and it was all Leicester songs, <laughs> calling everyone and every, anyone. So uh, yeah, I, that was uh, that was quite entertaining. That uh, yeah, I've just read through some of the tweets while you were talking about that. This is um, oh, you on it now? That yeah, that is quite something. I mean, it's, it's incredible. <laughs> I mean, some Forest fans have had the audacity to hint that we should stop talking about the fact that we won the Premier League a couple of years ago. Now, I don't think we talk about it that much. Yeah, it's in our very recent history. Yes, it's in the pre-match motivational videos that get shown around the King Power Stadium. Yes, some people still talk about it. And I would like to think that in 50 to 100 years to come, if somebody achieves something similarly... um, underdogish that it will be thought upon as, as doing a Leicester but when Watford when Watford win the league this year well yeah exactly but we to, to go full I mean 
Oh, I, I can't, there's there's no words, no words. It, it's it's it is unbelievable, but uh, but there we go. It's 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 what they. It, it's it is embarrassing. It is really, and and if you're out there and you and obviously you're on Twitter, just have a look. Just have go. I know it's I know it's a hard thing for you to do. You're gonna have to force uh, your fingers onto the uh, onto the pad on or onto your mobile and force them to type in Nottingham Forest or whatever. But just have a look, and and have a laugh because it is. It is cringeworthy. It's, it's terrible. But anyway, that's um, that's them. Not we won't mention them anymore because it doesn't really concern us in any way, shape, or form, or league position or anything like that. But anyway, um, moving on to the game against Bournemouth. So Bournemouth, uh, funny team actually. They score a lot and, uh, and and concede a lot as well. So we should really, if we've got any ambition of finishing seventh or even higher, depending on what happens or. We should be going down there and trying to win the game. I think we've got every chance. Vardy's going to be wound up. You know, he'll actually probably have to be told to calm down a bit as well, especially after the sending off. But because he's not played for a while, you can imagine how pent up he's going to be and uh, it raring to go. Um, but I can't see any reason why we can't go down there and win. It has the same feel for me as the game against Southampton. Again, going down there and thinking we can we can win this. They have, they have more going forward in their armory than Southampton did. You know, the the well, a beach ball has got a sharper end to the than uh, than Southampton at the moment. But uh, it's uh, it's 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 an interesting game. I think it's got plenty of goals written all over it. Leicester are the uh, the highest team in terms of both teams to score. If you're into your betting, um, if you go back the last eighteen months, Leicester are by far. Uh, clear top of the table when it comes to both teams scoring in the game, but uh, and I think that's what's going to happen again this weekend. But I can see City getting three points. I really can. Yeah, I was um, I was going to use the same comparison as you to the to the Southampton game, not just because it's due south from here, but they. I don't think Southampton and Bournemouth will be too far away from each other in the league. Maybe I'd, I'd expect Bournemouth to finish higher than Southampton, uh, mainly because they've got better players. A better system and a better manager, but yeah, yeah definitely I, I, got a better manager. Yeah, I, how Mark Hughes is still masquerading as a Premier League manager, I've got absolutely no idea. But I, I think they're in trouble. I think Southampton are in a banging trouble. Yeah, I think so. But I, I think what what Leicester fans will be wanting to see on uh, at the weekend is is Leicester winning a game, not necessarily convincingly. But relatively comfortably, I and I would like to see the same, mainly because, and I don't, really don't care how we win football matches, and and I know I'm bringing this up again, but it really annoyed me. The the yeah but supporters, the yeah we won but if we if we went down there, put on a show, played like we did against Liverpool, and beat them two nil or three nil, there's there's surely then. Unless Amati comes on for Madison again, there's no but that anybody can have at the end of the game. I don't think we should be looking for buts. I think losing two one to United and Liverpool um, is fine. Play well against the top six, just get edged out. That's why they're going to be in the top six, and we're not. That's a fact. But I don't care that we beat Southampton in the last minute. We still beat them. But I think for for my own sanity, looking at social media and listening to phone-ins and whatever after the game, <laughs> I would. 
be delighted if we went down there and won relatively comfortably. But I don't think we will. I think it's got goals in it, like you say. I'd expect there to probably be five goals in it. 3-2 Leicester, I think, is probably the way that I'm going to sway. Yeah, I agree. It will be interesting. And uh, again, I think 3-2 is, 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 a, is a good idea of a, of a scoreline, possibly. Um, obviously, after the game, we asked people to get in contact using either email or via Twitter or via Facebook. Once again, Twitter at FFSpod. Facebook, just type in for Fox sake and you can see it on there. And uh, for Fox sake podcast at gmail.com is the email address. And we asked for our three-word review, which actually, interestingly, um, I think Leicester have kind of copied in a way. Um, I know one or two people have got in contact and said, you know... Uh, at Melbourne again has said that's what uh, the podcast do. So uh, that's what obviously we do here. So uh, I mean, it's, it's a very easy thing to do anyway. Like maybe they didn't copy. Actually, no, we'll, we'll say that they did. It makes it sound better. It was all um, your idea, Pete. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we've got uh, Tony Walker saying uh, after the Liverpool game, hurry back Vardy, uh, which, yeah, I think we all agree on that one. Definitely no end product by Paul Oliver. Definitely made a Liverpool concede uh, and Dickens proud in defeat, Stu Teasdale. Uh, I think we all were definitely uh, proud of them, especially with the second half display. Um, slowly building something, Ball Keller, I, I agree. Lots of positives as well. But he did say, I'm oh, Marty for Madison, question mark. So he's let himself down there, Paul. As <laughs> um, Patel says, deserve much more. Yes, deserve something better, Lee Teasdale again. I think that's. Uh, I think we've completely agreed with those outplayed title contenders. Says Sam. I think in the final twenty-five minutes, half an hour, we definitely did, and um, and more and more coming through. So uh, we'll pick uh, three of those, and I think we're going to go for Stu Tealsdale, proud in defeat. Um, I think no end product by uh, Paul Oliver as well has to be one of the three, and I think probably Ant Dickens as well uh, made Liverpool concede. Because that was the first goal, and what a what a we haven't really mentioned that. What's he trying to do? A Cruyff turn in the penalty area for? He looks a good goalkeeper, but I I think you just draw a line through that and say right, never mind. You know, we'll move on. But um, obviously, Gazelle's now scored his first goal for the club, and we'll see how he goes. I thought he looked pretty good second half, and uh, yeah, interesting. But no, I'll go for three two Leicester, um, and I think Vardy Vardy with a brace at least. Yeah, as you say, he'll have been frust- as frustrated as everybody, the fact that he's not been able to play in the last three games. So, uh, yeah, Vardy to get on the score sheet, definitely. Vardy to be his usual self without getting in the book. Um, third goal, Gazala Madison have got one each already. Gray scored as well, hasn't he? Who 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 can we get on the score sheet? Let's get um, well, I think let's get Ndidi on. And no, Ndidi, a 30-yard blockbuster by Ndidi. So uh, there you go, 3-2 and uh, Ndidi and Vardy too. I'm just writing this down. I don't know what the price that will be at the old bookies, but we'll wait and see. And and finally, the final thing, and this is completely just to do with me, um, I just want to promote another podcast, actually, if you've got time, Rob. Um, and it's one that involves me. I've started another podcast, not to do with football, it's with a few friends. Basically, we sit down with loads of beer and we just talk complete nonsense. It's a comedy podcast, and it's called Drinking With Fear. Drinking With Fear, and again, if you go on uh, iTunes, where you're probably listening to this, or SoundCloud, or however you've uh, listened to this podcast, just type in Drinking With Fear, and you'll be able to see the first five episodes have been launched today. Today, as we're recording this, is launch day, and we've not launched just one episode. There's five have gone up, 
and uh, you can listen to them at your leisure enjoy there's a little bit of swearing in there as well so just be uh, just a word of warning but uh, i've listened to them back and because the funny thing about it and i've uh, the other three the other two who have done it uh, have agreed because we're you know basically drinking at the same time we tell everyone what we're drinking we we're trying to have different beers and this and the other and um and when we're recording it we completely forget what we've said so when it comes to listening to it a few weeks later it's like listening to a brand new podcast even though it's me on it but uh, but there we go so yeah take a look at that drinking with fear and uh, make sure you follow us again on uh, facebook and on twitter we are on twitter drinking fear is the twitter handle so at drinking fear so that's complete plug there for me um I want to get, oh, you got to hear it first, actually, Rob, and then you can give a completely independent point of view on the next Fox Egg episode. I will see if I can fit some time into my diary to listen to your drunken ramblings because it's already quite a push. It's already quite a push to find time in my diary to listen to your sober ramblings about a point, i.e. Leicester City, that I'm genuinely interested in. But you know what? seeing as it's you seeing as we've known each other for this long i will give part of episode one a listen uh, and let you know on the next podcast well you have you've got five episodes and you'll be able to it's um i'll tell you one thing that the sound quality gets a lot better from the first two because the three four and five it's all uh fantastic uh sound it's a bit like this it's in the same location etc but uh yeah it's yeah take a listen the best place to listen to podcasts i don't know where everyone listens to to for fox sake or or when they do but i always think in the car is the best place when driving um maybe you've never tried that before but i highly recommend that depends how long obviously you've got a commute but uh no, I, I'd recommend that, Rob. In uh, you don't have to make time, but just uh, put it on in the car. And the best thing is, with along with this podcast as well, is that you can dip in and out of it. You know, you don't have to listen to it all in one go. Um, and it's not it wouldn't get incredibly drunk on it as well. It's you know, there's a, a reasonable level to it. And uh, and there we go. I shall look forward to it. Do you know what? I have I have about a half hour commute to to my new workplace at the minute, so I might. I might consider each episode, it. Each episode I, is half an hour. I, I probably won't put it on in the morning because one, it's early, um, and two, I'm going to a place of work where there are children, uh, and if I get half an hour into the zone of drunken ramblings, there's every chance I could go and say something inappropriate. So I'll probably, at the end of the day, on the way on my way home, I'll probably have a listen. I think that'll be safer. No worries. Okay, then, well, we're approaching our 100th episode. I know we keep on mentioning it again. We keep on asking people. This is actually 90, 95 episode, this is. Um, if you've got any ideas for the 100th episode, then uh, then do get in contact. Any questions, anything at all, get in contact with us, and then we'll do our best to either do them or read them out or whatever. Don't forget the three-word reviews on Facebook and on Twitter, and we'll be back in probably next week. It depends on whether Rob... And uh, spare five minutes of his time. 